this is a special message from Dan, live in the lab. Hey Lab Rats, before we get into this week's episode, I want to relay a special message from the author of this week's supplement, Monstrous Races 2. His name is Tyler Kamstra, and he is a madman. He's taking a dollar off not only the supplement that we're featuring today, Monstrous Races 2, but also the first Monstrous Races that we previously featured on this show, where he built playable races for every single monster in the Monster Manual, and then of course in today's episode, every monster in Volo's Guide to Monsters. Now this deal is only good for the month of October 2018, so be sure to click on the link in the show notes to get in on this deal on these two awesome supplements. Now without further ado, on with the show. Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast, with your hosts, Karen and Dan. And welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week, we are bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published monstrous Part 2 content and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Garen here. And I'm the other one. This week, we have the pleasure of putting the second installation of Monstrous Races by Tyler Kamstra on full display. This madman created playable races for every single monster featured in Volo's Guide to Monsters. Some of you may recall that we had previously featured his first supplement that had playable racial builds for all of the monsters in the Monster Manual, and he's back at it, and we couldn't be more excited. Yeah, these supplements are just so much fun, and Tyler puts so much thought into each and every one of these monsters. He has design notes for every single race that's featured in the supplement that gives some insight into his mindset and justification for why he did certain things. Yeah, he certainly doesn't half-ass this stuff. As I mentioned, he's a madman, and he's a monstrous genius. This supplement is available on DM's Guild for just a buck ninety-nine. It's incredibly worth it. So listen to this show, hear the possibilities, buy the supplement, and leave him a review. This is very worthy of five stars. Tyler is a friend of the show, and we're happy to have built level three monstrous babies this week to put this content on full display. Trust us, we don't do it justice. Now, before we get started, I want to acquaint ourselves with any new listeners and go over the rules for the show. We'll be scoring our creations against nine criteria, melee damage output, range damage output, burninating, which is our magic damage, control in and out of the battlefield, tankiness or how well a pc can take a hit and what healing abilities they have ally assist what abilities they have that can help their fellow party members balance how optimized is this character probably the only category we take pride in getting a low score in and smooth operator and spitting fire sections where we have role-playing scenario and we must determine how the pc would handle it in a smooth and aggressive manner these categories often use charisma based skills and can also use spells background features or whatever else we can think of now each of us will get a challenge role where we can make the other person earn the score that they're arguing for. The role will use the charisma modifier for a persuasion check. The various scores have a different DC, and if the person meets or exceeds the DC, the score is achieved. If they fail, they must take the score below that of which they were arguing for. Now that we have confused the hell out of you with that long paragraph, let me introduce you to the monstrous baby that I created this week. The story begins with a bottle-nosed dolphin as he and his pod are swimming in their home in the bay. 
One pod mate challenges him to see how high he can jump in the air. While he's in the air, a water spout forms and sucks all the marine life in the bay except him, leaving him alone. Upon leaving the bay and searching for his pod, he contacts several other dolphins from other pods who tell him the entire sea is in chaos and all marine creatures have felt the storm. An orca helps him travel to the Arctic to find a blue whale named Big Blue who is revered among marine animals for his age and wisdom. Once he finds Big Blue, he's told that the storms have been occurring every 500 years and directs him to the Asterite, the oldest creature on Earth. He leaves the Arctic and travels to the deep cavern where he finds the Asterite. Although it has power to aid him, one of its globes is missing and needs to be returned. However, this can only be achieved by traveling back in time using a machine built by ancient Atlanteans. This, of course, is the plot to the game Echo the Dolphin on Sega, <laughs> but I thought it was poignant because I have made a dolphin barbarian this week that I am just calling Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> I am so very happy that I didn't go with my original plan because I was going to build a dolphin. You were going to make a dolphin too? I was going to make a dolphin. Of all of the monsters and all the different stuff you can do, I was also going to make a dolphin. I am so happy I didn't. Oh, um, this could have been the dolphin episode. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing what your dolphin barbarian can do. But first, let me introduce you to Kubazan. Now, that may ring a bell to you, Garen, but according to Amuin legends, the Froghemus were a creation of the primordial Ubtau. When Papatzel, the, El the Eblis, discovered Ubtau had forsaken the Amuins, he sent Kubazan, the Toad, to parlay with Ubtau on behalf of the humans. But this enraged Kubazan, and he decided to rest with Ubtau instead. Amused, the primordial gave Kubazan tentacles to make it stronger, creating the first Froghemoth. I've created Kubazan, one of the nine trickster gods of Cholt, the sworn enemy of Papatzel, for what he had done. The Froghemoth, level three, cleric of the trickery domain background, Froghemoth race, and the fallen god background, because obviously he isn't a god anymore if he is a level three PC. Really nice build on that, and if you guys aren't familiar with Tomb of Annihilation, Dan was using some straight out of the book lore. For this trickster god, really nice work there. Thanks. I, I think we have two very entertaining builds possibly coming coming uh, to our listeners. So why don't you go ahead and get us started in the melee category? I like how you threw in the fact that it's possibly entertaining. So there's no buyer's remorse. Like we've told you at this point, this episode could suck. Though you may be wary of what I have to say in this episode because I'm a real trickster. There's one thing I won't be deceiving our listeners about. And that's the intoxicating aroma of this brand new Den of Thieves candle by Cantrip Candles. Cantrip Candles are the purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world, such as musty taverns, library full of arcane texts, or the one we just lit up, Den of Thieves. I can't think of a better candle to illuminate you through your Waterdeep Dragon Heist campaign adventure. With its intoxicating notes of smoke, red wine, and aged leather, it makes you really appreciate the finer things in life that you can buy with all that sweet, sweet loot. But to be honest, you can find a scent for just about any adventure setting in their sampler pack, which offer nine of their scents for a real steal. Once you decide that you want to buy every single one of their scents, we're happy to announce that you now can, and the lab will help cover some of the costs. When you use the code LABRAT, that's L-A-B-R-A-T, at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles. And if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. &D. Well, thank you, Dan and Cantrip Candles, for that message. And now, 
why don't I get us started off in the melee category? Dan, I'm a little disappointed this because I know I'm not going to have any surprises for you. You've obviously read the Dolphin stat block, but for our listeners who haven't, this thing is fun. Dolphins, of course, have no hands. They have flippers, but I do make unarmed slam attacks. And as a barbarian, I got that rage damage. A slam attack is a finesse-based attack, so you can do strength or dex. I am more dex-geared in my build here, so I have a plus 5 to hit 1d6 plus 3 on my slappy fins. I also have the charge attack, which is another feature of the dolphin. Once per turn, if you move at least 25 feet towards a creature and hit it with a strength attack, it takes an extra d6 from the attack. This would increase at higher levels. Now, my strength is only a plus 1, so that would be a 1d6 plus three, plus an additional 1d6. Not bad. I am arguing a plus one. Yeah, you're, you're worthy of a plus one, but in order to earn that plus one, why don't you go ahead and let me know what dolphin rage sounds like? Great question. Now, this is something that a lot of people can't hear because dolphins rage under the water. And right. also, dolphin rage sounds a little similar to regular dolphin, except it's, very, it's a very subtle little change. I mean, see if you could pick it here. Let me give you a regular dolphin. Now, let me give you Dolphin Rage. Just tell me if you notice the difference. It is. It's very subtle. That's going to be tough. I'm going to really have to dial that back on the game because that's going to be painful to listen to. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing with that with us, Garen. Now, I'm glad in- I could educate you. And I want to tell you right now, I got more Dolphin Facts before this episode's over. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Now, I'm arguing a zero in melee. I have a bite attack with a plus, plus five to hit. That deals out 1d8 plus three piercing damage on a hit. And when I take this attack action and succeed on that bite attack, I can take a bonus action to initiate a grapple with the target of my successful attack. Yeah, now you know a lot about that. Your guy was eaten by a frog hemoth because of that, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. These things love to grapple. Those tentacles are real sticky. So you so, have no weapons either? No, I don't have any hands. Just tentacles? Just tentacles. So I'm asking for a zero because I think that that bite with a plus five to hit dealing out a potential of 11 is worthy of a zero at level three. You got a bigger damage die than me. I, of course, had a little extra bonuses. So, of course, absolutely. So no hands, just tentacles. What's your ranged argument? I'm arguing a zero here as well, because similarly to the bite attack, I have a tongue attack. Now, as an action, I can use my extendable tongue to draw foes towards me, and I make a a melee weapon attack as if I were doing that bite attack, but my range is 15 feet. And so I can bring them to an adjacent, if you're playing on a battle grid, you can bring them to an adjacent square five feet away from you, and you can give them that same 1d8 plus 3 piercing damage so I'm, I'm arguing the same exact amount because it's the same damage output but i do like the fact that i can reach 15 feet away and just nab them with my tongue that's nice i'm going to argue that you deserve a minus one because the range is only 15 feet and if we're talking ranged minimum it's 30 feet for a weapon i think that's fair so technically i don't have any ranged at all because i can't carry a ranged weapon and i don't have a long tongue but did you know that dolphins are as smart as apes and the evolution of their larger brains is surprisingly similar to humans? That's a dolphin fact. I'm so happy that you you brought these into the lab. That's a minus one? No, that's a minus two. But I appreciate the fact. That's very good. I'm going to win you over yet. (laughs) What kind of magic damage do you deal out in the burninating category? Well, I'm not actually dipping into my barbarian subclass just yet but i do have one thing for burninating here it's called it's a spell called the lisa frank folder and it deals 10 d10 psychic damage 
as the adorable flash of colors, the dolphin jumping in front of the half moon with sparkles all around it, just barrages your eyes and gets behind your eyes, screws up your rods and cones, and just gets into that gray matter. Yeah, no, I you you had one of these. This is not the first time that you've referenced Lisa Frank here in the lab. You had one of these as a kid, didn't you? I did not. I, did, I often would see them, you know, at your office depots and your party cities while we were shopping for school supplies. Like, I didn't want a Lisa Frank folder. Now that we're talking about this, I have totally forgot that I have referenced Lisa Frank before on the show. But we've done a lot of episodes. <laughs> I mean, no, that's not a spell. And so Did you know dolphins have acute eyesight both in and out of water? And they hear frequencies 10 times the upper limit of adult humans? Wow, that's pretty cool. Still and they have no sense of smell? They can't smell. They cannot smell. Pretty cool. Uh, so I minus, fascinated you. Minus two. So now I am arguing a zero here as well. I have Inflict Wounds, which deals 3d10 necrotic damage, which at third level, even though I have no other damage dealing spells, I think at third level, that is a pretty meaty spell. Potential of 30 damage. It's, it's hard to get around that. That's a great spell. But it's only one spell, so I'm going to say this is a minus one. Oh... Did you know that Froghemus were created by Papatzel from a toad? Wasn't that part of your backstory? No, you can't You can't double dip, just like I can't double dip on Lisa Frank, apparently. <laughs> All right, fine, I'll take a minus one. This is going really well for me. Okay. <laughs> so, moving into control, I have quite a bit, as per usual. So I have Thaumaturgy, Char Charm Person, Disguise Self. I also have this background feature of the Fallen God, which is all-knowing. As you were once a god, you know many things that you should not, and have seen many things that no mortal or even immortal has had a chance of seeing. You remember all that you've seen, heard, and said as a god, and you know things like, this is really good, the answer to life, the universe, wait for it, and everything. Okay, that's just Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide to the Galaxy. Yep, so I know everything. So anyway, that's pretty controlling. And then I have a spell uh, from Midgard Heroes Handbook called Encrypt Decrypt. So this is a cantrip that allows me to touch a written messenger book and I can hide its contents. All creatures who try to read it think it's gibberish. And then either somebody can end it with a dispel magic or I can end it by casting this cantrip again, which is pretty handy. Also, nice. I, also I have something called Loki's Gift. This gives me advantage to deception checks for whatever I'm currently saying. If the deception check fails, the creature knows that you tried to manipulate it with magic, but if you lie to a creature that has a friendly attitude towards you and it fails a charisma saving throw, you can also coax him to reveal a potentially embarrassing secret. The secret can involve wrongdoing, like adultery, a secret fear, but not something life-threatening or dishonorable. So that's a pretty neat spell. And then finally, I have one more spell from Midgard Heroes Handbook called Misstep. This is another cantrip and you gesture to a target you can see. If the target fails a wisdom saving throw, it uses its reaction to move five feet in a direction that you dictate. It does oh, not- Oh yeah, I like that one. Yeah, it does not provoke opportunity attacks, and the spell automatically fails if you direct the target into a dangerous area, such as a pit trap or something of the sort. So the reason that I went into Midgard Heroes Handbook is because they have a lot of good, like, chaos magic. They have some labyrinth magic in there. And for a trickster god, they've got a lot more options than just your, your wizard's standard Heck yeah, good instincts on that. I'm not mad at it at all. Okay, so what was your argument for your score? Plus two. I would say nothing really overwhelming here. Some really nice stuff and some good options, but I wouldn't think any one of those was like, oh shit, yeah, total control. So I would say this is a plus one. 
Okay, I'll take it. For control, Dolph Lundgren has blind sight of 30 feet, which I freaking love that because you can be an invisible creature. You totally know where they're at. It is nicely balanced because you lose your blind sight if you are deafened because you're using echolocation to figure out where everything is. I also have a feature of my Barbarian class, which I'm now going to reveal is the Path of the Reaver, written by Jordan Valentine. This is a piece that you can find on DMs Guild, and this is a lot of fun. I'm only giving you guys a taste of this class with level 3 because I wanted to tease it out so nicely. So, Ally of Fear. At third level, you gain proficiency in Intimidation. Your proficiency is doubled for any ability check you make that uses Intimidation. In addition, you can't be frightened while raging. If you are frightened when you enter a rage, the effect is suspended for the duration of the rage. So this is um, one of the features you get at third level here, which I just thought was a nice little bonus for those charisma controlling kind of moments. And we know frightened is a dragon's MO. And I'm not afraid, no dragons, even at level three can't scare me i'm arguing okay. a zero worthy of a zero very nice use of the uh, path of the reaver sweet tell us how well can you take a hit i mean i don't know what your level three looks like but i got 42 hp with an ac of 15 with my unarmored defense i also have the other part of my barbarian path which is the aura of blood you emanate a dark magical aura while you rage extends 10 feet from you in every direction, though not through total cover, which is nice. Whenever a hostile creature is reduced to zero hit points within your aura, you gain temporary hit points equal to your charisma modifier plus your barbarian level. So that means I would get four temp HP every time a creature dies, even just around me. I don't have to be the one to do it. Using some features that we've seen before, like the warlock feature, but it is twisted just a little bit i also like that as i said before it doesn't go through total cover which balances it out nicely you know it doesn't become overpowered in that regard so those things considered i'm gonna say this is a plus two because i also have that rage resistance i think that this is one beefy dolphin there's no question probably would be found in a nice big pouch of albacore tuna <laughs> <laughs> i think you're gonna have to roll for this plus two so what is your charisma modifier just a plus one Okay, so the DC for a plus two is 17. So you got to roll a 16 or better. Does a five get me there? It does not. So you will take a plus one. I really thought it was close. All right. How tanky is your frog hemoth cleric? So I'm arguing a zero. I have the mirror image spell, which as you know, creates four duplicates of myself, makes it hard to actually discern which one is me. Nice and tricky. I also mm -hmm. have the channel divinity of invoke duplicity which basically makes a mirror image of me which allows me to cast spells and and the like from my illusory double which can go up to 120 feet away from me pretty neat i also have something called conjure scarab swarm another spell out of the midgard heroes handbook so basically it allows you to summon swarms of scarab beetles to attack your foes two swarms of beetles appear in an unoccupied space that you can see within range each swarm disappears when it drops to zero hit points or when the spell ends. The swarms are friendly to you and they are your allies. They can make initiative rolls for both swarms and they have their own turns. They obey verbal commands that you issue to them. If you don't issue any commands, they defend themselves from hostile creatures but otherwise take no actions. And then I have something called shock susceptibility. When you take lightning damage, this is the reason I'm not arguing higher than zero because I'm a frog. I am susceptible to obviously lightning damage, and when I take it, I suffer several effects until the end of my next turn. My speed is halved, attacks against me gain advantage, I take disadvantage on deck saving throws, I can't take reactions, and on my turn, I may take an action or a bonus action, but not both. 
So pretty strong effects there. And then just to mention, I have 30 HP and an AC of 14. Yeah, you got some nice little features there. I, I wanna talk about uh, flaws because I've been in discussions before where people are like, well, don't, don't put flaws in a race build. But Tyler does it for most of the monsters that I've seen. I, I can't speak for all of them because he's written so many, but he takes features like that where if you hit a frog he with lightning, you affect it. And he brought that into the PC build. And I think that makes it so much more interesting and dynamic. So I like that you're honest about that. You acknowledge that. And I like Tyler, I like you, and what you're doing with these flaws. Really nice. And just to touch on that a little bit, so he's giving them special abilities that are, are true to their form, their original form in Volo's Guide. But by doing that, he's balancing it by giving it flaws, which... I implore more creators to do this because, it, like you said, it makes for a much more fun table tabletop experience. And maybe you'll think twice before you get into a particularly dangerous encounter for, for your particular build. Yeah, it can't always be about what makes you so great. I mean, some things have to be about what makes you suck kind of bad. Yeah. So absolutely, you can have your zero on that. Nice balanced argument there. Let's take it into ally assist. Well, before I tell you how I help my friends... I'd like to tell the audience how they can help us over at the D&D Character Lab, and they can gain a plus two in ally assist. Did they know that we have a Patreon? Well, we Probably. Do. Well, we mention it a lot, but for good reason, because we have tiers that start at $1 and move all the way up to 20 bucks. We have a Discord that you can chat with us, create pop culture characters with us, engage in the fan lab battles, get some bonus episodes, and also early access to our regular show, and way, way more. Pretty much anything that we do, we share with our patrons. Literally everything we do, we share with our patrons. We also have supplements available on DMs Guild for a dollar. Search Garen Jones and you can see all the great stuff that we have to offer on there. We also have ability score shirts that are for sale that have the minimum and maximum values for each ability score in a box on your chest. The proceeds from all of these items go directly towards benefiting our show and helping us grow. So, that being said, I'm arguing a zero. I have the ability to... Cast Pass Without a Trace, which can help my friends by giving them a plus 10 to their decks. I'm sorry, to their stealth checks. And also, I have Blessing of the Trickster. So, when you choose this domain at level 1, you can use your action to touch a willing creature other than yourself to give it advantage on dexterity or stealth checks. This blessing lasts for one hour until you use, or until you use this feature again. These two things considered, I think, are a zero because we can we can make one really stealthy party with those two things combined. All right, I, I can give you a zero for that. No problem. So how do you help your friends, Dolph? Well, do you know dolphins are actually surprisingly maternal? And they are observed nestling and cuddling their young. And this goes both ways because a dolphin calf nurses for up to two years. And then they stay with their mothers for three to eight years. Which, you know, dolphins don't live as long as humans. So that speaks to the social qualities of a dolphin and how much they're really caring for their friends and their family throughout their lives. So that being said, I'm arguing a minus one. No, can't just throw dolphin facts and expect things to get better for you. Not even once, not even one point once. No, terrible. Damn it. How balanced are you? I wrote a minus one. You're not a minus one, it's a minus two. <laughs> it's a uh, I'm keeping score. This time I'm writing a minus one. You can't change, come over here and change it. <laughs> Such crap. I am a very balanced character, not supremely balanced, but very. Strength of 12, Dex of 16, Con of 14, Intelligence of 12, Wisdom of 8, Charisma of 12, Proficiency in Animal Handling, Survival, Intimidation, Nature, and Athletics. I am a folk hero background, because obviously I based this on Echo the Dolphin. He's, he's a folk hero. And I got bonuses to 
dex and intelligence as being a dolphin so that being said obviously my wisdom is low but i don't need it and my intelligence is pretty high especially for a barbarian i'm arguing a plus one here okay you can get your plus one it's a fairly optimized character other than the fact that you're a barbarian with no hands I'm they don't arguing... need armor so they don't need hands <laughs> i'm arguing a zero here i am not an optimized cleric my wisdom is pretty low so to run through the numbers, my strength is 16, dex is 12, con is 14, intelligence of 11, wisdom of 12, charisma of 12, passive perception of 11, proficiencies in persuasion and religion, and then of course the saving throws are wisdom and charisma for clerics. My spell save DC though is an 11 and a plus three to spell attacks. Not very impressive, even for a level three. Uh, I think this yeah. is worthy of a plus zero. You would get plus zero for that. Very nice. So now, moving into our smooth operator and spitting fire scenarios. These are our role play scenarios that we have authored, and we have to sort of navigate our way around it. This week, it has been authored by none other than Garen Jones, but normally, we have our $10 and up patrons provide us a scenario. Garen, I think you should go ahead and state this week's spitting fire scenario, because I think that nobody can do it better than you. <laughs> Uh, well, it's a clear dark night, a clear white moon. Everything's going real swell. These girls are fine as hell. But you're on a mission to find Mr. Warren G. And you see he's being mugged by some gith lowlifes. He just wanted to play some dice. They've got the drop on him. They pulled their crossbows. They're pointing them at him. Right there on the curb as you roll up, what do you do? For our listeners, especially those that are not in their 30s, this is a reference to the old hip-hop song, Regulators. And I'm sorry. <laughs> So as a former god, I would use my background trait of all-knowing and cast Disguise Self. Because that's what it sounds like. And I would disguise myself as somebody that maybe one of these guys went to high school with, right? Because I'm a god and I know everything. I would know what they look like. And so I would approach one of the guys and be like, hey, man, how's it going? Long time no see. Hey, have you been down the road and seen... That sweet tail down there, are you getting in on any of that? You cheating on your wife, whatever, whatever. Try and get some information, you know. I'm, I'm, I've got that advantage on deception, so I'm, I'm just trying to deceive them into giving me more info. Trying to get that sweet, sweet info, and then once they disclose it, I'll exit scene and be like, hey, great seeing you, good catching up, blah, blah. Exit scene, come back in, disguise self once more, and now I'm one of the guys, <laughs> now I'm one of the guys' wives, and... I just berate him in front of his friends, his comrades, his gith brethren, and I just absolutely humiliate him. And I have like a some sort of like wooden spoon or something in my hand, super demeaning. And I just start like beating him with it and oh, okay. everybody's everybody's super distracted. And while they're all <laughs> Is that what a wooden spoon sounds like? Yeah, kind of like a lightsaber, exactly. I would then uh, instruct, uh, pass without a trace on my party, and then tell them to go get Warren G, tell them to collect the belongings, pass without a trace, get that plus 10 to stealth, and maybe a little sleight of hand action going on. Get this stuff back. Now, I know that this argument sucks, so I'm only arguing a plus one. Okay. I think the argument sucks a little bit more than you think, because the definition of smooth is not walking up as a friend from high school and saying, hey, you cheating on your wife? <laughs> I don't if, know, man. It Maybe. If I saw a guy that I haven't seen since high school, like Nick Newell, that's a name from high school, 
And he says, you cheating on your wife? I'd be like, what the fuck? Get out of here. <laughs> what about that advantage on deception checks, though? Like, what if he thought I was genuine? Maybe he was... I think you are imposing disadvantage on yourself. Possibly. So a zero, I think, is fair. A zero is definitely fair. So how do you handle this? All right. I am arguing a plus one. I would roll up on these guys and just throw myself on the ground and start flapping around on the pavement. And they're all panicking. And Mr. Warren G says, oh, man, this dolphin is dying here. We got to get it back to the ocean. So they throw it in their carriage or whatever. And they're rolling me down the street to try and get me back to the ocean. And while I'm flapping around, I flap and I hit their carriage horn. Let me see if I got a... Nope, that's not a horn. Hold on. Right? There's a carriage horn. Yeah. These sound effects are perfect for this medieval style show we're doing. <laughs> what soundboard do you have up again? Future Combat. Yeah, perfect. Perfect for this episode. Per- yeah. Thank you. And I keep hitting their carriage horn until the local guard pulls us over. And Mr. Warren G is like, they kidnapped me and they stole this super rare dolphin from the ocean. And they wanted to sell him to the tuna merchant. And they get arrested and we get a brand new carriage. Smooth. That's pretty good. I like your pl- I like that for a plus one. Sweet. How do you handle this aggressively? So I grab my sending stone and I call up a bunch of crossbow packing rogues that I know. And you may be wondering yourself, how is this dolphin getting around on land? Well, here's the reveal. Dolphins have no regular move speed, only swim speed. So I found a magical item on D&D Beyond called Liamon's Tiny Wagon. <laughs> <laughs> and it functions just like a Liamon's Tiny Hut. Are where you, it's basically are you, a, so you're like the Pope? Yeah, but you can't see in. And it's oh. impenetrable. So this... So, this seemingly I mean, people, empty wagon rolls down the street. It's going to appear hostile. It's like if somebody's driving down your street and everything's tinted out, or maybe one of those creepy panel vans, you automatically assume the worst. They're probably not assuming it fast enough because we straight up <laughs> drive by those motherfuckers. Plus two. Absolutely not. <laughs> Very poorly thought out. <laughs> this is a minus one. No way. What are you talking Not even for Liamon's tiny wagon? <laughs> Drive by noise again. No, zero. I think I think it's worthy of a zero. I'll take that zero. I'm, I'm arguing a plus one here. I think this is a decent argument. So I would conjure up Scarab Swarm twice. I'd cast it twice. So I'd have four swarms of Scarabs just crawling all over these do- guys, having them go all over everybody but Warren G., and I would have them just like biting their ears and like crawling in and out of their clothes and maybe going into like their underwear. And I wouldn't stop until Gross. they stopped bothering Warren G, which they inevitably would because they'd be so consumed with these scarabs. And then I would cast misstep on all of them and make them step away from Mr. Warren G so that he could he could escape unscathed. I think that's rather aggressive. Plus one. Okay, so you double dipped a few times. How did I double dip? Those are all stuff that you've used in other categories. Sure. Bonus for making the scarabs bite their nethers. That's pretty good. Yep. I think that's a zero. No, it's plus one. I, I, I think put, that's a zero. I put, I put scarabs all over them. That's pretty cool. You can't do that. Eh. Your solution was to ride through town in a shady wagon. I did a better job than you did. Let's put it that way. Uh, I get a plus one. You got a zero. No questions asked. I did a better job. 
you can have your plus one because you used actual in-game features and you didn't have to dip into D&D Beyond's homebrew content, which is actually pretty solid this week. So moving into X Factor, would you play Dolph Lundgren? <laughs> oh, hell yes. <laughs> Dolphin Barbarian, would, sign me a, up. Wait a minute. You would play something that is completely reliant on a wagon to get around? <laughs> yes. Also, does this, this thing move on its own? Yeah, you can hitch it up to a horse. Oh, this is totally not smooth. Yeah, no, terrible. That was aggressive. Didn't have to be smooth. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's just terrible. It's totally awful. Don't what? get distracted. I would absolutely play Dolph Lundgren. Is it a seahorse? Oh yes. It's, but then the seahorse can't go on land either. I got a seahorse for when I'm in the water, even though I don't need it because I got 60 move speed. Well, in the that's water. because you didn't dip into Jamee Junior's horde of horses. That's a great mount that's available on DM's Guild for $1. And 14 the, people have gotten it. I think that's generous. <laughs> I what I want to say. <laughs> what I want to say is, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, The Path of the Reaper by Jordan Valentine has a lot more to offer. This would be a very fun character, especially as it went into later levels. Of course, not having move speed on land would hinder me a little bit, but otherwise, I love this character. I would not play Kubazan because I need hands. I can't play a character without hands. Really? That would just be not fun. How often are you actually picking something up? Like, who cares? Picking a lock, turning a doorknob, touching someone. <laughs> you got rogues to touch people for you. I don't know, man. I need hands. Cool build on, on both of our parts. I do appreciate that you went the dolphin route. <laughs> and I appreciate that even though you tried to keep me down, I still came in real close on this one. You won zero to my minus one. <laughs> That doesn't speak very much to the builds this week, but I will say we can't say enough good things about the supplement that we featured today. We barely scratched the surface of the cool, cool stuff that's featured in this supplement. And again, it's entitled Monstrous Races 2 by Tyler Kamstra. Grab it on DM's Guild for a buck ninety-nine. Well, Dan, this is the end of the episode where we go over the stuff that the lab has to offer you guys. First of all, did you know that killer whales are actually dolphins? It's true. Are they? Yes. That's fucking cool. All right, keep going. Did you know we've mentioned several times that we have stuff on DMs Guild and our Patreon episodes, bonus episodes, where we have Fight Club, where we take previous characters from other episodes and make them fight each other, and Monster Lab, where we create original monsters with new scoring. There's also pictures and stat blocks that you can download as a Patreon if you come in at $5 and up. So thank you guys for listening to this week's episode, and thank you to Tyler Kampster for your hard work. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, and just remember, Lab Rats, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be fun. I just said fun. Isn't that crazy? Have a great week. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. Or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly... Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. We're going to keep this part in the show, but Garen is taking his shit right now. So we had to pause recording. Right in the middle of control. I think he's doing the equivalent of, like, icing a kicker in football. You know? Basically calling time out right before the guy gets ready to kick. Get in their head. I don't think he's pooping. I think he's calling time out before I'm ready to kick.